everyone, good evening. How are you tonight? Great. Uh, my name is Dave Joseph. I'm the uh, director of this production. And uh, on behalf of ARAC Theater Productions, I'd like to thank and welcome you all for being with us tonight. So as we close out our 26th season, thank you. It's funny, because I was just thinking about this earlier today. Uh, in a couple of months, I'm going to be 50. And having been with the organization since its first year, on and off since its first year, I've now been uh, with the uh, organization for over half my life. Wow. Wow. Uh, this production marks our 20th year of performing our holiday radio shows, all done right here at the Merrick Art Gallery in New Brighton. Now every year we donate all of the proceeds to uh, a chosen charity, a different charity every year. Uh, we've, uh, we've donated monies to the Beaver County Library System, uh, Offices on Mental Health, uh, Toys for Tots, uh, there was one other one that I really wanted to mention, uh, the uh, Beaver County Humane Society. Uh, and that's just to name a few of the charities uh, that we've given to. Uh, it's one way that this organization tries to give back to the community more than just entertaining and providing entertainment. We want to give uh, back financially, and we do that every year. This year, as a show of thanks for our long-standing relationship, we've decided to donate the money right back to the Merrick Art Gallery. Thank you. Uh, we do feel truly that this is an important institution and venue for the continued cultural growth in our area. And while we're on the subject of the Merrick, we'd like to dedicate our performances last night's and tonight's to our friend Cynthia. Cynthia, are you up here yet? If you can wave your hand. Uh, we're going to dedicate these performances to Cynthia, the longtime curator of the Merrick Art Gallery. She's been a great friend and comrade in the arts, and we wish her all the best in her retirement. Thank you. One uh, tiny bit of trivia that some of you may find interesting, some of you maybe not so much. Uh, 2018 marks the 175th year, uh, 75th anniversary of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, uh, which was first published December 19th, 1843. Pretty cool. Uh, now, before we jump into our production, we'd like to take a moment here from just a few of our sponsors. Sit back and please enjoy A Christmas Carol. Thank you. Merrick Free Art Gallery. For more than a century, the Merrick Free Art Gallery in New Brighton has offered visitors a glimpse into the artistic fashions of American and European artists. As we celebrate this holiday season, make the Merrick Art Gallery part of your family's memories. During your visit, be sure to stop by the Eva May Merrick Music Room and spend time in the 19th Century Library. The gallery offers patrons a wide selection of hands-on art classes for all ages. The garden in the Victorian lawn makes the perfect site for your upcoming wedding or special event. Visit the Merrick Free Art Gallery at 1100 Fifth Avenue, New Brighton. For more information, call 724-846-1130. That's 724-846-1130. Make the Merrick Free Art Gallery part of your family tradition. Espresso yourself this holiday season with a unique gift that is easy on the wallet and packed with the whole latte love. At Hallow Grounds Coffee Roastery in New Brighton, you will discover artisan micro-roasted coffee freshly roasted on site to guarantee a pleasurable coffee experience. Be it the holidays or any day, celebrate with Hallowed Grounds where you will get one pound free when you buy four pounds of heavenly roasted coffee or take one dollar off a two pound purchase. Like us on Facebook to check out our daily deals and ongoing specials. So perk up your holiday giving with an amazingly delicious gift from Hallowed Grounds. By the cup or by the pound, Hallowed Grounds is the best around. Call, click, or stop in today. Hallowed Grounds, feeling your coffee revival. But 
impossible with the speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty, brick me, back me, ship me. With our faithful UPS star staff, the daring and resourceful printing parcel service of Beva Valley continues to fight to provide the best online and hard copy document deliveries in the West, Western Pennsylvania. Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. From out of 204 Gulfview Drive comes the sure delivery of the great UPS truck. The UPS store rides again! It seems like just yesterday I was fighting the summer dust from driving steer through this town. And already they're decorating the streets for the holidays. I guess I need some holiday brochures and posters for the Long Branch. I want to get my family letter printed. Oh, and I've got a cute little design for a Christmas card this year that I want to get made up. Now, I did find the toys for the grandkids that their mothers couldn't find, but I won't worry if I can get them there in time for Christmas. You won't hear me say oops. I'll say oops. The UPS store at the Beaver Valley Mall. I call them, and they'll do my printing, packing, and shipping. Why? I can even send them my files online. Gives me more time to spend with my masked man when he comes back this way. Who was that masked man? The UPS store rides again! 724-774-4942! Hi-ho, UPS! And away! RX Theater Productions and Merrick Free Art Gallery present RX production of Charles Dickens' Immortal Ghost Story, A Christmas Carol, adapted by local playwright Larry Spinnenweber. Come with us now as we take you back to London in the year 1843. Although it is in the middle of the afternoon, lamplighters are already lighting the street lamps because the sky has been darkened by the smoke, smoke rising up from the city's chimneys. It is late December after a heavy snowfall. Marley was dead to begin with. There was no doubt about that. Old Marley was dead as a doornail. Uh, now, this must be distinctly understood, or nothing wonderful can come of the story we are going to relate. Scrooge knew he was dead? <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> ah, how could it be otherwise? Scrooge and he were business partners for, oh, I don't know how many years. Oh, and even Scrooge was not so dreadfully cut up by the sad event, but that he was an excellent man of business on the very day of the funeral and solemnized it with an undoubted bargain. Scrooge never painted out old Marley's name, and there it stood years afterward above the warehouse door, Scrooge and Marley. Sometimes people new to the firm called Scrooge Scrooge, and sometimes Marley. But he answered to both names. He was all the same to him. Oh, but he was a tight-fisted hand to the grindstone, Scrooge. A squeezing, wrenching, grasping, clutching, covetous old sinner. The cold within him froze his old features, nipped his pointed nose, shreveled his cheek, stiffened his gait, made his eyes red, his thin lips blue, and he spoke in a grating voice. Nobody stopped him in the street to say, My dear Mr. Scrooge, how are you? When will you come to dinner? No beggars implored him to bestow a trifle. No children asked him what time it was. Even the blind men's dogs seemed to know him, and when they saw him coming, would tug their owners into doorways and then wag their tails as if to say, no eye at all is better than an evil eye. But what did Scrooge care? It was the very thing he liked, to edge his way along the crowded paths of life. Wanting all human sympathy to keep its distance. Now once upon a time, of all the good days of the year on Christmas Eve, Scrooge sat in his counting house. It was cold, bleak, biting weather. Scrooge had a very small fire in his stove, but the outer office where Scrooge's clerk, Bob Cratchit, worked, there was no fire at all. Mr. Scrooge, sir. I was wondering if I might have a bit of coal for my stove. You see, the fire's gone out and no, it's... No, Mr. Cratchit, you may not have a bit of coal. 
If you kept your mind on what you were doing, you wouldn't have time to be imagining you were cold. Now return to your desk. I may be forced to find a new clerk. The city clocks had just gone three when into Scrooge's very quiet counting house. A Merry Christmas, Uncle. Can't save you. It was Scrooge's nephew, Fred! His face was ruddy and handsome, and his eyes sparkled. Ah! Humbug! Christmas a humbug, Uncle. You don't mean that, I'm sure. I do! Merry Christmas. What right have you to be merry? What reason have you to be merry? You're poor enough. Come then, what reason have you to be dismal? What reason have you to be morose? You're rich enough. Bah! Humbug! Don't be cross, Uncle. What else can I be when I live in a world of fools as this? Out upon Merry Christmas. What is Christmas time but a, a time for paying bills without money? A time to find yourself a year older, but not an hour richer. If I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled in his own pudding and buried with a stick of holly through his heart. Uncle! Nephew. Keep Christmas in your own way and let me keep it in mine. But you don't keep it. Let me leave it alone, then. Much good it may do you. Much good it has ever done you. I have always thought of Christmas time as a good time. A kind, forgiving, charitable, and pleasant time. The only time I know of in the long calendar of the year when men and women seem by one consent to open their hearts freely and do good. And therefore, Uncle... Though it's never put a scrap of gold or silver in my pocket, I believe that it has done me good and will do me good, and I say God bless it. Hear, hear. Mr. Cratchit, let me hear another sound out of you, and you'll keep your Christmas by losing your situation. You're such a powerful speaker, nephew. I wonder you don't go into Parliament. Oh, don't be angry, Uncle. Come have Christmas dinner with us tomorrow. I'd rather die first. But why? Why did you get married and take on greater responsibilities? Because I fell in love. Because you fell in love. But you never came to see me before that happened. Why give it a reason for not coming now? I want nothing from you. I ask nothing of you. Why cannot we be friends? Good afternoon. I am sorry with all my heart to find you this way. You have never had a quarrel to which I've been a party, so I'll keep my Christmas humor to the last. A Merry Christmas, Uncle. Good afternoon. And a Happy New Year. Good afternoon. And a Merry Christmas to you, too. Well, thank you. And a Merry Christmas to you and yours. Bob Cratchit, in letting Scrooge's nephew out, had let two other people in. Scrooge and Marley's, I believe. I had the pleasure of dressing Mr. Scrooge or Mr. Marley. Mr. Marley? Mr. Marley has been dead these seven years. He died seven years ago this very night. Uh, we have no doubt his generosity is, is well represented by his surviving partner. At this festive season of the year, Mr. Scrooge, it is usually desirable that we make some slight provision for the poor and destitute. Many thousands are in want of common necessaries. Hundred thousands of want of common comfort. Common comforts! Are there no prisons? Plenty of prisons. Are the workhouses still in operation? Oh, they are. Still, I wish I could say they were not. But these institutions scarcely furnish Christmas cheer of mind or body to the multitude. Many of us are endeavoring to raise funds to buy the poor meat and drink and means of warmth. We choose this time because it's a time of all others, when want is keenly felt and abundance rejoices. Abundance rejoices! What shall I put you down for? Nothing. You wish to remain anonymous. I wish to be left alone. I don't make marry myself at Christmas, and I can't afford to make idle people marry. I help to support the establishments I have mentioned, and those who are badly off must go there. Uh, many can't go there, and many would rather die. If they would rather die, they'd better do it, and decrease the surplus population. Good afternoon. Mr. Cratchit, 
You want the whole day tomorrow, I suppose? If quite convenient, sir. It's not convenient, and it's not fair. If I stopped a half crown for that, you'd think yourself ill-used. And yet you think you don't think me ill-used when I pay a day's wages for no work. It's only once a year, sir. A poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. But I suppose you must have the whole day. Be here all the earlier the next morning. I will, sir. Thank you, sir. Merry Christmas, sir. Ah. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dis- Get away from me! Scrooge took his usual melancholy dinner in his usual melancholy tavern. And after having read all the newspapers, went home to bed. He lived in a house that had once belonged to his dead partner. An old house, gloomy, dark and dreary. Scrooge went up to the door and put his key into the lock and looking up at the large brass door knocker, saw not the knocker. But Jacob Marley's face. Scrooge looked at this phenomenon. It became a knocker again. Scrooge opened the door and walked inside. He looked behind the door but saw nothing but the screws and nuts that held the knocker on. So he said, Humbug! And slammed the door. Scrooge went up to his room. He looked to make sure that there was nobody hiding in the closet or under the bed. Quite satisfied, he locked the door, put on his dressing gown and slippers, and built a fire. A very small fire. And settled down for the night. And And then, when when it it happened... Scrooge heard a heavy clanking noise down in the cellar below, as if someone were dragging a heavy chain across the floor. The cellar door flew open with a booming sound. And he heard the noise much louder on the floor below. Then coming up the stairs. Then coming straight towards his door. It's humbug still. I don't believe it. Without a pause, it came through the locked door and into the bedroom. How now? What do you want with me? Who are you? Ask me who I was. Who were you? In life, I was your partner, Jacob Marley. You don't believe in me? I don't. Why do you doubt your senses? Because little things affect them. A little indigestion might make me see things. You may be a bit of undigested beef, a crumb of cheese, a fragment of underdone potato... There's more of gravy than grave about you, whatever you are. You believe in me now? I do. I must. But but why do spirits walk the earth and why do they come to me? It is required of every man that the spirit within him should walk among his fellow men. If that spirit does not go forth in life, it is condemned to do so after death to wander through the world, to witness what it cannot share, but might have shared on earth and turned into happiness. I wear the chain I forged in life. I made it link by link and yard by yard. Do you know the weight and length of your own chain? It is as long and heavy as mine seven Christmas Eves ago. You have labored on it since, and it has grown year by year. Speak comfort to me, Jacob. I have none to give, Ebenezer. It comes from other sources. In life, my spirit never roved beyond the narrow limits of our money-changing hole. Now, weary journeys lie before me. But you were always a good man of business, Jacob. Business? Mankind was my business. Charity... Mercy and kindness were all my business. This is the time of year I suffer most. 
Why did I walk through crowds with my eyes cast down and never raise them to that blessed star which led the wise men to a poor home? Were there no poor homes to which its light would have led me? Hear me. My time is nearly gone. I am here to warn you that you have yet a chance and hope to escape my fate. You are always a good friend to me, Jacob. Thank you. You will be haunted by three spirits. Is that the chance and hope you mentioned? It is. I think I'd rather not. Without their visits, you cannot hope to shun the path that I tread. Expect the first tomorrow when the bell tolls one. Couldn't I take them all at once and have it over? Expect the second on the next night at the same hour. The third upon the next night when the last stroke of twelve has ceased to vibrate. Look to see me no more. For your own sake, Ebenezer, remember what has passed between us. Ah! Humbug! I won't believe it. Scrooge went to bed and fell asleep, but was awakened by the sound of a church bell tolling one o'clock. One o'clock? No spirit. A bright light filled Scrooge's room, and a glowing hand reached up and gently drew aside the bed curtain. There stood before him a spirit in the form of a young woman. She wore a long white gown, and in her hand she carried a branch of holly. A bright light flickered around her like the flame of a candle. Are you the spirit whose coming was foretold to me? I am. Who are you? I am the ghost of Christmas past. Long past? No, your past. What have you, what have you come for? Your welfare. My welfare would be better served by a night of uninterrupted sleep. I have come for your salvation then. Rise and walk with me. <laughs> but spirit, the window, I, I am mortal and liable to fall. Bear but a touch of my hand here upon your heart and you will be upheld in more than this. They passed through the wall and stood upon an open country road with fields on either side. Good heaven, I was bred in this place. I was a boy here. Do you remember this road? Remember it? I could walk it blindfolded. Strange to have forgotten it for so many years. Your lip is trembling, and what is that upon your cheek? Nothing, a, a pimple. It looks like a tear. Do you know these boys? Know them? Of course I know them. We went to school together. Look at them. They're going home for the Christmas holiday. That's why they're so excited. Out upon Merry Christmas. What good has Christmas ever done them? The school is not quite deserted. A solitary child neglected by his friends is left there still. It's me. My father never allowed me to come home on holidays. Let us see another Christmas. Ebenezer! Ebenezer! Fan! What are you doing here? Dear brother, I've come to bring you home. Home? Yes, home, for good and all. Far so much kinder than it used to be, that home is like heaven. He spoke so gently to me one night when I was going to bed, that I was not afraid to ask him once more if you might come home. And he said, yes, you should. And he sent me in the coach to bring you. You're to be a man. You're to never come back here. But first, we're to be together all Christmas long and have the merest time in all the world. You're quite a woman, little fan. Your sister was always a delicate creature whom a breath might have withered, but she had a large heart. She died a woman and had, as I think, children. One child. True. Your nephew. Let us see another Christmas. Scrooge found himself in a large warehouse in a large city. Do you know this place? Know it? I was apprenticed here. Why, it's old Fezziwig! Bless his heart, is Fezziwig alive again! Yo-ho there! 
Ebenezer Dick. Dick Wilkins, there he is. We were apprentices together, you know. No more work tonight. Christmas Eve, Dick. Christmas, Ebenezer. Clear away, my lads. Let's have lots of room here. Ooh, the guests are already arriving. There's Mrs. Fezziwig. She was his worthy partner in every way. Oh, there they are, leading the dance. A small matter to make these silly folks so full of gratitude. He has spent but a few pounds of your mortal money. Has that so much that he deserves his praise? It, It isn't that. He has the power to render us happy or unhappy, to make a work a pleasure or a toil. The happiness he gives us is as great as if it cost a fortune. I... I, What is the matter? Something, I think? I should like to say a word or two to my clerk just now. That's all. My time grows short. Just one more memory. It's Belle. We were engaged to be married. It matters little to you. Very little. Another idol has replaced me. And if it can cheer and comfort you as I would have tried to do, I have no cause to grieve. What idol has replaced you? A golden one. I have seen your nobler aspirations fall off one by one until the master passion, money, engrosses you. Are you going to condemn me because I want to be successful? I am not changed towards you. Our contract is an old one. It was made when we were both poor and content to be so until, in good season, we could improve our worldly fortune together. But you have changed, Ebenezer. When it was made, you were another man. I was a boy. Your own feeling tells you you were not what you are now. But I am. How often I have thought of this, I, I will not say. It is enough that I have thought of it and can release you. Have I ever sought release? In words? No, never. In what then? In a changed nature. In everything that made my love of any worth or value in your sight. If this had never been between us, tell me, Ebenezer, would you seek me out and try to win me now? No. You think not? I would gladly think otherwise if I could. If you were free today, Tomorrow, yesterday, can I believe that you would choose a penniless girl? I can't. I can't believe, and and so I release you with a full heart for the love of him you once were. May you be happy in the life you have chosen. Belle, don't let her go, Belle! And all because you fell in love. Why do you delight to torture me? These are but shadows of the past. They are what they are. Do not blame me. Leave me! Haunt me no longer! Scrooge found himself alone in his bedroom just as the church bell was striking one o'clock. A bright light suddenly shone under the door to the other room, and a booming voice called out, Come in, man, and know me better. This concludes Act One of A Christmas Carol. And now, a word from our sponsors. As we take a moment to hear from our wonderful sponsors, our act theater productions would like to thank the folks at the Social Voice Project for supplying the audio support for this holiday production. Every week, the fine audio technicians at the Social Voice Project offer the best in local podcasting right here in Beaver County, Pennsylvania. What's a podcast, you ask? Well, it's like radio, but on the internet. Topics of conversation could vary from local history and community profiles to storytelling, the performing arts, and theater. That's right, theater. In addition to supplying the audio support for our performance, the Social Voice Project is recording our presentation live to be offered online as a podcast. The Social Voice Project, 
preserving the stories and voices of our time. Start your own podcast today with the Social Voice Project and let them do the recording for you anytime, anywhere. The gift-giving season is upon us. Are you in the market for a unique handmade gift crafted by a local artist? Or perhaps you'd like to try your hand at making your own special something. Well, there's one place you can go for both. Stray Cat Studios in downtown Beaver Falls is one half gift shop, one half pottery studio. Their gift shop is run by artists for artists and is home to some of the most beautiful pieces of art, crafts, and treasures you'll find anywhere. Their studio offers classes where you can arrange a small project of your own and explore your own creativity in clay. With just a little time and commitment, you can make your own Christmas tree. The mission of the Stray Cat Studio is to offer beauty to the community as a tool for healthfulness and restoration. You can support local business, local artists, and the community as a whole. So let loose the creative cat in you. Stray on in or check them out at straycatarts.com. Remember, the cool cats go to Stray Cat Studios. Meow. At 60 years old, Hollywood Gardens has been offering folks a place to escape and relax since 1958. And in recent years, Hollywood Gardens has offered the latest in craft beers. You can order from the draft beer specials or take a walk into the beer cave where you can hand select your favorite bottle of craft beer. Pair your beverage with a meal or an appetizer from the chef's featured menu. Hot and hearty homemade soups and loaded mac and cheese are just a couple of items that keep their patrons coming back for more. Outdoor seating is available when weather permits and live entertainment is frequently offered. Hollywood Gardens is located at 169 Pinney Street in Rochester. Stop by this evening or visit their website at www.hollywoodgardensbar.com. In the center of Beaver's quaint downtown shopping district, you'll find the Courtney Lachlan Frame Studio and Gallery. Jamie Lachlan and Kathy Courtney are award-winning custom framers, specializing in quality and innovative designs. Their beautiful shop hosts artist receptions, frame shop tours, and has classes throughout the year to help others learn about the art of framing. And if you're looking for a unique gift this holiday season, come be wowed by the displayed works of local artists. For the history lover on your list, Courtney Lachlan has maps of Beaver County, both vintage and reproductions. There are so many distinctive gift and holiday items to choose from. A wonderful experience awaits you at 531 3rd Street in Beaver at the Courtney Lachlan Frame Studio and Gallery. We now continue with Act Two of A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. Scrooge went to the door and opened it. There stood a giant of a spirit. He was dressed in a flowing robe of green trimmed with brown fur. He had long chestnut colored hair and a long beard. And on his head, he wore a crown of holly hung with icicles. (laughs) He carried a cornucopia that glowed with a bright light. I am the ghost of Christmas present. You've never seen the like of me before. I don't think I have. Spirit, uh, conduct me where you will. I went forth last night and learned a lesson which is working now. Tonight, if you have anything to teach me, let me profit by it. Touch my robe. In an instant, they stood upon the streets of the city on Christmas morning. The streets were full of people dressed in their finery, hurrying on their way to church and to Christmas dinner, and the spirit blessed each person. Scrooge found himself being led through the city to Camden Town, where they stopped in front of a small house. Do you recognize this place? It is the home of your clock. Cratchit lives here? He's worked for you all these years, and you never knew where he lived. Hmm. Step inside and meet his family. 
take care. You don't get the corners of the monstrous shirt collar in your mouth, Peter. It's Father's shirt, in honor of the day. You look handsome, Peter. You look too pretty, Mother. Yes. Oh, it's just an old dress, but the ribbons do dress it up a bit. And it only cost a sixpence. What has ever got your precious father? And your brother, Tiny Tim? And Martha wasn't this late last Christmas by half an hour. Here comes after now, Mother. Bless your heart alive, how late you are. We had a great deal of work to finish up last night and had to clear everything away this morning. Uh, well, never mind. So long as you're here, sit down and have a, have a warm by the fire. Lord bless you. No, no, there's Father coming. Hide, Martha, hide. Under the table. No, no, behind the door. Bob Cratchit came into the house, carrying his youngest son on his shoulder. On his leg, the small boy wore a heavy iron brace, and he carried a tiny crutch. Why, where's our Martha? Not coming. Not coming? Not coming on Christmas Day? Merry Christmas, Father. <laughs> Martha. Merry Christmas, Martha. How did little tiny Tim behave? As good as gold, and better. He told me coming home that he hoped people saw him in church because he was a cripple, and it might be pleasant to them to remember upon Christmas Day he who made lame men walk and blind men see. I do believe he is growing stronger and heartier every day. Here's the goose. Oh, Peter, you get the potatoes, Belinda the applesauce, and I'll bring in the plum pudding. I don't believe there ever was such a goose. It should vanish to the last atom of the last bone. Well, the pudding's not done enough. What if it should break and turn it out? What if someone got over the back wall and stolen it? Here comes Mother now, and the pudding's perfect. Hooray! Oh, look at that pudding. Like a speckled cannonball. I regard that pudding as the greatest achievement of Mrs. Cratchit since our marriage. Oh, Robert. <laughs> it's such a small goose to feed all of them. It's all they could afford. But to them, it is a feast. A Merry Christmas to us all, my dears. God bless us. God bless us, everyone. Spirit, tell me if Tiny Tim will live. I see an empty chair by the chimney corner and a crutch without an owner carefully preserved. If these shadows remain unchanged by the future, the child will die. No, spirit, say he will live. Why? If he be likely to die, he had better do it and decrease the surplus population. Hmm. Do not say such things until you know what the surplus is and where it is. Who are you to decide what men shall live, what men shall die? It may be that in the sight of heaven, you are more worthless and less fit to live than millions like this poor man's child. To Mr. Scrooge, the founder of the feast. The founder of the feast, indeed. I wish I had him here. I'd give him a piece of my mind to feast upon and I'd hope you'd have a good appetite for it. My dear, the children, it's Christmas Day. Well, it should be Christmas Day, I am sure, on which one drinks the health of such an odious, stingy, hard, unfeeling man as Mr. Scrooge. You know he is, Robert. Nobody knows better than you do. My dear, it's Christmas Day. I'll drink to his health for your sake and the days, but not for his. Long life to him, the old goat. <laughs> Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Come, I have more to show you. Scrooge soon found himself in another part of the city, standing in a brightly lit parlour. There's Fred and... and the woman at the piano. She is his wife, your niece, whom you've never seen. I see your uncle didn't come again this year. I asked, no, I asked him, but he refused to come. He said Christmas was a humbug. He believed it, too. 
Shame on him. He's a comical old fellow, that's the truth. However, his offenses carry their own punishment and I have nothing to say against him. They say he's very rich. At least you always tell us so. What of it? His wealth is of no use to him. He doesn't do any good with it. He don't make himself comfortable with it. He hasn't the satisfaction of thinking he's never going to benefit Mina and me with it. <laughs> I have no patience with him. I wouldn't either if I were you. Oh, I have. I'm so, I feel sorry for him. I couldn't be angry with him if I tried. Oh, suffers the most from his hatred himself. He takes it into his head to dislike us and he won't come to dinner. What's the consequences? Doesn't lose much of a dinner. Indeed? I think he loses a very good dinner. I second that opinion. Do go on, Fred. I was only going to say that he loses some pleasant moments, which could do him no harm. I mean to give him the same chance every year. Let's not talk about him. Let's play a game. Oh, yes, let's. Blind man's buff. And you be the blind man first, Topper. Oh, no, not him. He cheats. He does. <laughs> Come. But I want to stay and see the party. spirit were again upon their travels. Much they saw and far they went, and many homes they visited. The spirits stood beside sick beds, and they were cheerful. On foreign lands, and they were close at home. Wherever in the world there was a person who welcomed Christmas, the spirit entered that home and blessed all who were there. My life upon this globe is very brief. It ends tonight. Spirit, there is something underneath your robe. Look upon it. From beneath his robe, the spirit brought forth two children. Wretched, frightful, hideous, miserable. Oh, no perversion of humanity. Through all the mysteries of wonderful creation, has monsters half so horrible in dread. Spirit, are they yours? They are man's, but they cling to me. This boy is ignorance. This girl is want. Beware them both. But most of all, beware of the boy. Have they no place to go? Are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses? 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 Don't throw my words back at me! Scrooge looked about him for the ghost, but saw it not. As the last stroke of twelve ceased to vibrate, he remembered what Jacob Marley had told him. Lifting up his eyes, he beheld a solemn phantom, draped and hooded, coming like a mist upon the ground towards him. This concludes Act Two of A Christmas Carol. And now a word from our sponsors. Tonight's performance of A Christmas Carol at the Merrick Gallery is brought to you by Our Act Theatre Productions, a community theatre located in the hub of Beaver County. For 26 years, Our Act has provided live entertainment on stages throughout Beaver County. From dramas to comedies to mysteries, we've done it all. We continue to further our mission of keeping the arts alive in Beaver County by providing affordable, quality theatre to our community. We are excited for our upcoming 2019 season in our new home on the Secret Stage in Rochester, Pennsylvania. To, do to donate to our Raise the Curtain campaign or find ways you can help, check out, check us out at um, rractproductions.com. That's R-A-C-T productions.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Oof. Hey, Lucy! Fancy meeting you here at Canine Kingdom! Woof, <laughs> mon cherie. Woof, you know me, luxury is life. Is this the first time you're, you've been here? Woof, the accommodations are perfect. The staff, perfect. 
The food, ooh la la, and twice a day. No way. (laughs) I've heard you can run around outside the cages too. Plus you get personalized tuck-in service when you stay the night. Exactly. So many amenities here at Canine Kingdom. Nap times, pampering, and even salon services. Woof, I love it. I'm going to tell all my friends to schedule a service and an interview online at www.mycaninekingdom.com or in person, 723 State Avenue, Vanport, PA. Or have them call 878-201-3533. Canine Kingdom, because this place is majestic. Christmas is right around the corner, and there is no better place to stop than art by Tyree Patrick. Need a swell gift for the scoogiest food on your shopping list? This latest scientific studies have shown that daily exposure to art by Tyree will soften even the grumpiest old man. This gruntled teenager in the family put one of Tyree's world-famous celebrity portraits in their stocking and bask in the glow of the starstruck smile. What do you give your grandparents who have too much stuff? Bring in old photos in, and Tyree will dry a memory collage. This one-of-a-kind of a gift will help them remember the carefree days when they were younger, thinner, and had all their hair. While you can even commission a portrait of yourself, a selfie, to bequeath to your well-behaved and grateful offspring. So come on over to New Brighton, folks, and visit Big Nerd Tattoos and Art Gallery, where we are all big nerds. People just like you are relieving their weekly stresses by attending shows performed by the region's premier short-term improvisational comedy troupe, The Cellar Dwellers. Every effing improv show offers high-octane laughs, mid-brow action, and some crappy prizes for participation. Since scenes are led by audience suggestion, each show is unique and fun for anyone seeking late-night entertainment. Every floor you climb in the Beaver Valley Bowl gets you closer to their black box-style theater and concession stand. Get there early to hang out and play some retro board games with your friends in their CD lounge. Every few shows has a theme, adding to the hilarity. The Cellar Dweller offers improv workshops and can be booked for private events. Your neighbors all agree you should like the Cellar Dwellers on Facebook and follow them on Twitter at CD Improv for all current new and events. And also catch the show on the third floor of the Beaver Valley Bowl at 10 o'clock this and every Friday. Every Friday! We now continue with Act 3 of A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. The Phantom approached slowly. Gravely. Silently. The air in which the spirit moved was filled with gloom and mystery. It was shrouded in a long black robe which hid its head. Its face. Its body. And left nothing of it visible. The spirit stood before Scrooge and neither spoke nor moved. Am I in the presence of the ghost of Christmas yet to come? You are about to show me shadows of things that have not happened but will happen in the time before us. Is that so, spirit? Ghost of the future, I fear you more than any other ghost I have seen, but I know your purpose is to do me good, as I hope to live to be another man from what I was, I am prepared to bear your company and do it with a thankful heart. Lead on, spirit. Oh no, sir. I don't know either. I only know he's dead. Hmm. When did he die? Last night, I believe. I thought he'd never die. What has he done with his money? I haven't heard. Left it to his company, perhaps. He hasn't left it to me. It's likely to be a very small funeral, for upon my life I don't know anybody to go to it. (laughs) Suppose we make up a party and and volunteer. I don't mind going if there's luncheon provided, but I'm going to have to be fed if I'm going to go. (laughs) (laughs) 
welcome. Come in. Come into my parlor. Here's a chance if we haven't all three met here without meaning it. Oh, there's nothing strange about that, Mrs. Dilber. Everyone has the right to take care of himself. <laughs> he always did. That's true indeed. Owen, who's the worst for the loss of a few things like these? <laughs> Not a dead man! <laughs> well, if he wanted to keep them after he was dead, why wasn't he more natural in his lifetime? Well, if he had been, he'd have had someone to look after him when he was struck with death. Oh, instead of gasping out his last hair all by himself. It's the truest word ever spoke. It's a judgment on him. It would have been a heavier judgment if I could have laid me hands on anything else. Open that bundle, Joe, and let me know the value of it. Pencil case, a pair of sleeve buttons, and a brooch of no great value. That's your account, and I wouldn't give another sixpence if it was the... Be boiled for not doing so. I'll go next, I'll go next. Sheets and towels, two silver teaspoons, and a pair of sugar tongs. Oh. I always give too much to the ladies. It's a weakness of mine. And in a way, I'm going to ruin myself. Oh, now, now undo me, Bundle Joe. What do you call these? Bed curtains? You don't mean to say you took them down, rings and all, with him lying there. And why not? I am certainly shan't hold me end when I can get anything in it by reaching it out. <laughs> hey, don't your candle wax on me blankets now? His blankets? Oh, who else's dear, thank. <laughs> he ain't likely to take them cold with them. <laughs> I hope he didn't die of anything catching. Don't be afraid of that. I wasn't so fond of his company that I'd loiter about for such things if he had. Look at that shed. It's the best he had. They'd have wasted it if it hadn't been for me. What do you call wasting it? Putting it on him to be buried in. Somebody was fool enough to do it, but I took it off again. <laughs> oh, you are bold to make your fortune, and you'll certainly do it. Oh, this is the end of it. He frightened everyone away from when he was alive to profit us when he's dead. <laughs> Scrooge found himself in a dark room, standing near a bare, uncurtained bed. A pale light fell straight upon the bed, and on it, plundered and bereft, unwatched, unwept, and uncared for was the body of this man. The shroud was so carelessly placed that the slightest raising of it would disclose the face. But Scrooge had no more power to withdraw the shroud than he had to dismiss the spirit at his side. Spirit, this is a fearful place. In, in leaving it, I shall not leave its lesson. Let us go. Spirit, let me see some tenderness connected with the death, or this dark chamber will be forever present to me. Suffer the little children to come unto me, and do not hinder them, for it was such as these that the kingdom of heaven was made. The color of this thread hurts my eyes. That's better now. It makes them weak by candlelight. And I wouldn't show weak eyes to your father when he comes home for the world. It must be nurse time. Uh, past it, rather. But I think he walks a little slower these past few evenings. I have known him to walk, tiny Tim, upon his shoulders very fast indeed. And so have I, often. And so have I. Oh, but he was very light to carry. And his father loved him so that it was no... No trouble. There's your father at the door. How quickly you all are working. You'll be finished long before Sunday. Sunday? You went today then, Robert? Uh, yes, my dear. I wish you could have gone. It would have done you good to see how green a place it is. But we'll see it often. I, I promised I would walk there on Sundays. My little... Little child. 
I'm sure that none of us shall forget poor Tiny Tim or this first parting among us. Never, Father. And I know, I know, my dears, that when we recollect how patient and how mild he was, although he was a little child, we shall not quarrel easily among ourselves and forget poor Tiny Tim in doing it. The spirit led Scrooge to a churchyard. Here, the wretched man whose name he must now learn lay underneath the ground. It was a worthy place, walled in by houses, overrun by grass and weeds, choked up with too much burying. The spirit stood among the graves and pointed down to one. Before I draw nearer to that stone to which you point, answer me one question. Are these the shadows of the things that will be? Or are they the shadows of the things that may be? Men's courses have certain ends, but if those courses are departed from, the ends will change. Say it is thus with what you show me. Scrooge crept toward the spirit, trembling as he went, and following the finger, read upon the stone of the neglected grave his own name, Ebenezer Scrooge. No, spirit, no, no! I am not the man I was! Why, show me this if I am past all hope! Assure me that I may yet change these shadows you have shown me! I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. I will live in the past, the present, and the future. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. I will not shut out the lessons that they teach. Oh, tell me that I may sponge away the writing on the stone. This... This is my room. My things have not been stolen. They are here. I am here. The shadows of the things that would have been may be dispelled. They will be. I know they will. I don't know what to do. I'm as light as a feather. I'm as happy as an angel. Oh, I'm as merry as a schoolboy. I'm as giddy as a drunken man. (laughs) There's the door by which the ghost of Jacob Marley entered. There's the corner where I saw the ghost of Christmas present. There's the window I flew out of with the ghost of Christmas past. It's all right. It's all true. (laughs) (laughs) Really? For a man who had been out of practice for so many years, it was a splendid laugh. The father of a long, long line of brilliant laughs. I don't know what day of the month it is. I don't know how long I have been with the spirit. I don't know anything. I am quite a... Baby. You down there. What's today, my fine fellow? Today, why, it's Christmas Day. It's Christmas Day. I haven't missed it. The spirits have done it all in one night. They can do anything they like. Hello, my fine fellow. Do you know the porter is in the next street but one? At the corner? I should hope I did. Oh, an intelligent boy. Uh, do you know whether they've sold the prize turkey that was hanging up there? Not the little prize turkey, but the big one. The one as big as me? It's hanging there now. Well, go and buy it and tell them to bring it here that I may give them directions where to take it. Come back with a man and I will give you a shilling. Come back within five minutes and I'll give you half a crown. 
Scrooge was dressed in a twinkling and waiting on the doorstep for the boy and the poulterer. Here's for the turkey, my good man. Please take it to Bob Cratchit's house in Camden Town. Oh, but he shan't know who sent it. It's twice the size of Tiny Tim. What? Why is it impossible to carry it to Camden Town? You must have a cab. Hurry off now. Merry Christmas. Oh, and this is for you. Thank you, sir. Merry Christmas. Scrooge went to church and walked about the streets. And watched the people hurrying to and fro. And patted children on the head. And found that everything could yield him pleasure. He had never dreamed that any walk, that anything could give him so much happiness. In the afternoon, he turned his steps towards his nephew's house. Yes? Is your master at home? He's in the parlour with the missus and their guests. I'll show you in. That's all right, I know the way. Uncle Scrooge! Fred, I have finally accepted your invitation for dinner. Uh, Am I too late? No, Uncle, you're not too late. Uncle Scrooge, this is my wife, Mina. My dear, can you forgive an old man for his foolishness? Of course. Welcome, Uncle Scrooge. Let's have a game of blind man's buff. (laughs) It was a one! with wonderful games and wonderful happiness. But Scrooge was early at the counting house the next morning. If he could only be there first and catch Bob Cratchit coming late. And he did. What do you mean by coming here at this time of day? You are 18 and one half minutes behind your time. I'm very sorry, sir. I was making rather merry yesterday. It shan't be repeated. Now I'll tell you what, my friend. I'm not going to stand for this sort of thing any longer. And therefore... I'm about to raise your salary. I'm really very sorry, sir. I... What? A Merry Christmas, Bob. A merrier Christmas, my good fellow, than I've given you in many a year. I will raise your salary and and endeavor to assist your struggling family. And we will discuss your affairs this afternoon over a bowl of Christmas punch. Now, make up the fires and buy another coal scuttle before you dot another eye, Bob Cratchit. was better than his word. He did it all and infinitely more. And to Tiny Tim, who did not die, he was a second father. He became as good a friend as the old city ever knew. Some people laughed to see the change in him, but he let them laugh. He knew that nothing ever happened for good in this world, at which some people did not have their fill of laughter in the beginning. His own heart laughed, and that was quite enough for him. He had no further intercourse with the spirits. And it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well if any man alive possessed that knowledge. May that be truly said of us and all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim observed... God bless us, everyone. This has been RF Theatre's production's performance of A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, adapted by local playwright Larry Spinnenweber. Thank you so much for joining us and have happy holidays. And now, our cast. I am Carrie Hill. I am Abigail Cox. David Moore. Jen Ryan. Jonathan. 
Lori Little. Taylor Laughlin. Janet Hutchinson. Larry Spinnenweber. Bruce E. Travers. Mary Rose Thomas. Kevin McGuire. Steve Walsh. Bethany Straub. Eric McAnellan. Keith Zagorski. You are listening to a production of the Social Voice Podcast Network.